What's up, Danny? What's up, Tyler? Hi, everybody out there. This is Fried Squirms. We're here to get stoned and talk about horror movies. This week will be the endless. But we promise this podcast will not be endless. <laughs> we are not going to have another cell situation here. No, absolutely Despite not. the name of the movie, Won't this is going to have a definite end to it. But before we get there, we're the Fried Squirms, so we're here to get stoned and talk about horror movies. So let's get to our green hits. Danny, what is this, Jay, that you brought for me today? Nice. So it shouldn't be a surprise. Stopped by Flower and picked up the strain Peel Out, which is a strain I believe we both brought over here before. But once again, for those who are not familiar, this is a cross of the famous or infamous Motor Breath and Banana Punch number nine strain. So with that, you're going to get a nice aroma and flavors of gas and citrus. They're mingled with uh, some notes of bananas and berries. Now, this one over at Flower, as far as total numbers and all that fun stuff. So the total cannabinoids are coming in at about 25%. Terpene profile, pretty high, actually, is about 3.56%. So the ones that stand out the most in this profile are myrcene at about (laughs) (laughs) 0.66666666%. Then you have limonene, which is going to be the most predominant one coming in at about 1.3%. You've got some pinene at about 0.4% and karyophyllene at about 0.52%. So nice mix of some chill profile terpenes and uh, yeah, it's, it's a nice one. Nice hybrid. Oh yeah. So I was curious because when you handed it to me, I recognized the flower. I recognized hybrid because if y'all don't know, like when you buy it from flower, the, you, you can tell by the filter. And so I was, I was like, oh, shit, did he get the same thing as me? And he didn't this time. <laughs> so this time I brought for you some Cap Junkie. I know we've had it on the show before, but I think it's been a bit. I couldn't it remember. It's a cross of Alien Cookies and Kush Mints. It's just kind of uh, one of those higher THC strains. It's kind of known for that. At Flower, it's coming in at 29.5% total cannabinoids. And Terps, uh, not as high as the Peel Out but about 1.5% with the top being limonene, followed by linalool, and then a tie between pinene and karyophyllene. Same percentage coming in right there at third place, So, which is kind of neat. I feel like we don't see that that often. If at all, yeah. Right? It says on the leafly, hints of pepper, gas, and dank. The coffee? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Maybe some of that super dank. Yeah, hell yeah. And with that, I suppose we'd like to remind everyone to check out the Patreon, patreon.com slash fried squirms. Lowest level, you could have been listening to this last week. Middle level, you get those Patreon-only episodes where we've been taking a look back at our older catalog, re-watching some of the films that we haven't seen for years now at this point, and uh, seeing where we're at now with them. What's our next upcoming one? We've got Child's Play coming up. Ooh. You know fun. what? Hint. You, I mean, not hint. Preview. I still think I can kick a doll's ass. <laughs> I would like to think so as well, but uh, I guess we'll get around to that. We'll one. get to that. <laughs> but yeah, patreon.com slash fried squirms. And with that, let's get into the guts and bolts of The Endless. Guts and bolts. All right. Guts and bolts of The Endless. Who and what went into the making of this movie? Spoiler free for now. We'll get there. But in case you don't know what the fucking Endless is, our spoiler free setup for the movie is brothers Justin and Aaron who 
as children escaped from a UFO death cult, get a VHS tape from them, semi-inviting them to... No. And they decide to go back. And then things only get weirder from there. I like it. As far as spoiler-free goes. And... Once again, we do like to talk about our cast and crew. And this week, you've already mentioned it, partially because of the names, but <laughs> we've got directors Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead. Now, they're a collaborative team for several reasons, and most notably because the film is about to drop on you. But they're known for the film's resolution. They're also known for the segment Bone Storm for VHS Viral. They're also known for the film Spring Synchronic, the Twilight Zone episode from 2020 couple episodes of Moon Knight from 2022 as well. Now, the writer on this is Justin Benson. We have cinematographer Aaron Moorhead. A few things of note outside of the films I just mentioned. He's also noted for Death of the Dead. He's known for a boy's life segment in All Hallows' Eve Part 2. Also, the film Straight Out of Oz and Something in the Dirt. All right, editors on this. Once again, we have Justin Benson, Aaron Moorhead, and their partner, Michael Felker. Michael's known for the film's Resolution segment bone storm for vhs viral spring synchronic something in the dirt music composed by jimmy laval you want to guess a couple films that he's known for oh <laughs> uh, let's How see about here spring, spring. <laughs> synchronic something in the dirt producers on this are justin benson aaron moorhead thomas r burke david lawson jr and leal nayam we have production companies Snowfort pictures faf and faf productions love and death productions and rustic films the distributor was Wellgo USA Productions for the 2018 United States release of this. We have release dates April 21st, 2017 at the Tribeca Film Festival here in the United States and April 6, 2018 throughout the rest of the United States. All right, we have a gross on this. This is a worldwide gross of $956,000 and the tagline I have is time is a prison. All right, I want to move into the cast and huh no surprise, I'm going to lead off with Justin Benson, plays the role of Justin Smith. <laughs> All, right. All right, now a few things of note from him. Shouldn't be a surprise once again. He was in the film Resolution. He was in the segment Bone Storm for VHS Viral. He was in the film Contracted Phase Part 2. He was in the music video Rusty Pipes for Eels. Hmm. He was also in the film After Midnight and Something in the Dirt. All right, his partner, Aaron Moorhead, plays the role of Aaron Smith, his brother in the film. All the things I've just noted, yeah, basically the same, same things. things. Yep, okay. even the music video. <laughs> All right, we've got Callie Hanranda. She plays the role of Anna in the film. A few things to note from her. She was in the film Machete Kills. She was in the series From Dust Till Dawn back in 2014. She was in the film La La Land. I keep meaning to check out the From Dust Till Dawn I series. I think we've talked about this in the past. All right, she was in the, I don't know if it was a remake, but she was in Blair Witch. From the oh, 20-teens. it was that new one. Yeah, I didn't see it. So yeah, I don't me know. either. All right. I think it's supposed to be real time has passed. Mm, and okay. like kids to go go to check it out again, I think, but I'm not positive. Yeah, it's like I'm not sure. <laughs> All right, she was in the film Alien Covenant. She was in the television show Graves from 2016 through 17. Also in the television show Flight Attendant from 2022 and the film Shotgun Wedding. All right, we've got Tate Ellington plays the role of Hal. And then his note from him, he was in the film Remember Me, which is a Robert Pattinson film, believe it or not. Saw that in the theater. 
I'll mention that later. Mm. All right. He was in the Walking Dead television show back in 2014. He was in the film Straight Outta Compton. He's also Straight Outta Compton. I know, right? He was in Sinister Part Two. He was in Quantico, the television show from 2015 through 16. He was in Shameless back in 2016 and the Brave television show from 2017 through 2018. All right, we've got Lou Temple. Actually, guy we talked about before. He I'll plays say, the role it. of Tim. I kept thinking he looked familiar. But I just couldn't quite place it. Mm -hmm. And then when I looked it up, I was like, oh, I'm a fucking dumbass. Uh, don't worry. It dawned on me, too, when I started looking up his credits. It's like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. All right, so we talked about him way back on episode 130 for The Devil's Rejects, right? A few other things of note outside of that. He was in the film Rolling Kansas. Highly recommend it. It's kind of a uh, stoner comedy. One that flies under the radar. All right, he was in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the beginning. He was in the film Waitress. He was in Rob Zombie's Halloween. He voiced a character in Rango. He's a part of the Walking Dead television show from 2012 through 2013. He was also in the film The Lone Ranger, House of Forbidden Secrets, which is a Todd Sheets film. And Todd mm. Sheets, a lot of his films are on unearthed films. They help distribute a lot of his films. That's why that went down. He's also in the film 31. I mean, it was also in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. All right, we've got James Jordan plays the role of Shitty Carl. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, Shitty Carl. All right, a few things of note from him. He was in True Blood back in 2012. He was also in Atlas Shrugged Part 2, The Strike. He was a part of Veronica Mars, a television show from 2006 through 2019. I think it was kind of like on and off, didn't they? Like, okay. Uh, I think they reprised that show. And he's also part of Yellowstone television show from 2019 through 2022. Which... Just a note, living here in Missoula. Yeah. Y'all quit fucking moving here because of Yellowstone. Yeah, no, right? It's like, get over it. <laughs> it's not like that. <laughs> it's a show. All right, we've got Shane Brady plays the role of Shane Williams. A few things of note from him. This shouldn't be a surprise. VHS Viral, he was in Bone Storm segment. He was in the film Spring. He's also in Tone Deaf, the film Synchronic, and Dr. Sleep, believe it or not. All right, we've got Kyra Powell. She plays the role of Lizzie. Things I've known from her, she was in the Path of Torment and Scorpion television show from 2016. We've got David Lawson Jr. He plays Smiling Dave. A few things I've known from him, he was in Resolution and Something in the Dirt. We've got Emily Montague. She plays the role of Jennifer Danube. A few things I've known from her, she was a part of Days of Our Lives television show back in 2007. She was in Fright Night. Hmm. Yeah, and she was also in Resolution. All right, we've got Peter Salela. plays the role of Mike Danube. He was in Resolution film Screwed, and Contracted Phase 2 as part of uh, Dementia as well. All right, we've got Vinnie Curran, who rounds out our cast. He plays the role of Chris Daniels. He was in Resolution, Spring, Something in the Dirt. All right, so that rounds out our cast and crew. You gave us a brief setup. Should give our listeners some warnings. Language? A little bit of blood and gore. Yeah. Pretty quick, because they don't have the budget for much more. But <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's interesting. Um, weird? <laughs> yeah, mostly mostly that. Pretty um, heady? Yeah, if you're not paying attention, you can get kind of lost. So, yeah. Like Easy to get that. lost? <laughs> Especially if you're not paying attention. Easy to get lost. Yes. It's another, like, like if you're going to go use the restroom, pause it. I would totally agree with that, because otherwise you're going to come back and just as lost as some of these characters. Yeah. And there's very few moments that, like, spell everything out. So, there's that. That's the biggest warning, I guess. Like, if you're going to watch this movie, it's it's a watch. Like, you got to pay attention. Agreed. Sweet. I guess that's it. Yeah. 
I think so, as far as warnings I, go. Yeah, I can't think of much else. So, like, this is part of the cosmic horror block, so you kind of know what you're getting into if you listen to the last episode. <laughs> and if not, well, here you go. So let's get into it and find out how the Endless made us squeal. How does that make you squeal? All right, Danny, the Endless. Both of our first times? Yeah. Both of our first times? No, not quite, because we were just talking about Moon Knight, but... I was about to say both of our first times with Benson and Moorhead. You know, actually, I haven't seen Moon at Night, so. But yes. I mean, I have, so I can't okay. say it was my first time. But like, yeah, like I was telling credits, you, yeah. like I was telling you off mic. Even after watching this movie, like I wouldn't be able to pick out what episodes were there. So it's not like they imparted that much of their style, <laughs> or that I've seen enough of their other stuff to know if, like, what things carry over in their style. Yeah, so, makes sense. So the endless. I feel like people are sleeping on this a little bit. Yeah, this one definitely flew under the radar. Now, what's interesting about this, in a sense, I guess to give our listeners some more context, is, you know, we both like listicles of sorts, and... We've talked about this a few times. Yes, like, I think this To get ideas, we'll look up, like, 15 listicles at a time. Absolutely. And, and this one, once again, kept popping up for, you know, like, cosmic horror, Lovecraftian horror, et cetera, et cetera. And... When I was in my hometown a couple years ago, I went to Big Lots and found a copy for like five bucks, DVD, whatever. So I was like, yeah, why not? I've been sitting on this one for a bit. Gave me an excuse to buy a copy of it. So here we are. And yeah, I'm, I guess to make a long-winded story short, it's like I really do enjoy this film. And I agree with that. Like this one, I think deserves a few more eyeballs on it. Like I feel like people are sleeping on this almost the same way they're sleeping on just how good Annihilation is. Oh, yeah, I agree. Like, people remember Annihilation because of the bear. If that's all you remember from it, you're kind of missing the point, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. Totally agreed, and I feel like this is right up there with that. Like, God, it's fucking wild how many other movies I love it reminded me of, yet it still stands as its own thing. Yeah, which is interesting, considering what we did last week with Beyond the Rainbow... Mm -hmm. Kind of, I won't say for the same reasons or sentiments, but there's some similarities in that respect. Yeah, I would say this doesn't borrow stylistically no. as heavy as uh, Beyond the Black Rainbow no. does. It's just that certain things about it, I was like, oh, this reminds me of uh, like Wrist Cutter's Love Story. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's more, I think, conceptual things, idea-wise, mm -hmm. that it shares with in common with other films, more so than, like you said, the, the more technical yeah. <laughs> you know, side of it. It's not like Beyond the Black Rainbow, which looked like oh, 2001 A Space Odyssey. Yeah, that was just like eye porn. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, oh, this movie looks so good. <laughs> no, it was more like, oh, this is like, like I said, like wrist cutters. It's yeah. like, um, oh, fuck. It reminded me a little bit of Time me. Crimes. I was about, yeah, Time Crimes. It's kind of a, annihilationist. A little bit, yeah. It really is. So there was like trace elements of certain films within this film, yeah, for certain. And really good cosmic horror? I agree, man. I really enjoyed that alone. It was like, oh, that's, that's a good take on it. Man, this is a weird one, right? Like, I like it, yeah. I'm going, first off, now I'm going to have to watch Resolution at some point. Okay. Not a secret, but I watched this film for the first time early last week. It was like, we normally record on Mondays, right? Mm -hmm. So I literally watched it on Tuesday night last week. And I was like, well, shit, I'm already on a roll. Let me, let me watch Spring, because that one's been on my okay. 
to watch list for a bit. And I watched that. And I was like, oh, man, I'm glad I did because that one's really cool, too. I don't want to say too much, but that one's really cool. And then I started in on Resolution and only got maybe like 20 minutes into it. And, you know, like you were saying, sometimes you start a movie way too late. And, mm-hmm. you know, you put it on pause and then you're doing other stuff. And sometimes it takes a backseat. And that's kind of what happened. I was like, fuck, I wish I would have got back around. But at some point I will. But since this is uh, apparently a pseudo sequel, mm-hmm. I would like to see that at some point. Maybe we'll do it for the show at some point. I don't know. Yeah, you never know. Okay, so how are we going to talk about this? We can do like the shell, bare bone. I guess like lay the foundation, and then we can fill in the blanks from there. I suppose. If you want to do that. Yeah, it's just like I don't know how many deep thoughts it spurred, but it's also just kind of fucking weird, right? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. So I mentioned in the in the setup, like the brothers used to be in a cult. They get a tape. They decide to go back. They go back. Nobody knows what brought them back. Nobody remembers making a fucking tape. Or the one chick made a tape before, but she right. didn't send it. Exactly. Exactly. It wasn't meant for them, and it didn't specifically say their names either in the tape, which is delivered to them in a mysterious, I won't say mysterious package, but you know, it's under that, that guise. God, okay, so this gets a little bit more complicated because the one brother was young enough that he doesn't really have a full memory of how it was back then. He just remembers that, like, life was pretty good. Yeah, simple. It was the simple life, if you will. The other brother's like, no, it was fucking UFO death cult. Yeah, they were castrated. You should thank me for saving your life. Basically, like, yeah, you owe me a little bit. And he's like, saving my life? They're not dead yet. They sent us a fucking video. So they head back. Nobody's aged. Nobody knows why they came back. (laughs) But they're all like, hey, it's good you're back because Ascension's happening soon, so y'all can choose to stick around with us if you want. And things start getting weird. And then they find there's time loops? <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, they do. They find it all over the compound. I'm trying to do, like, the basics of this, and but yeah, I mean, that's it sounds just insane. It, right? When you say weird, I mean, that, that conjures a lot of different images, of course, but in the context of cosmic horror and time loops it gets strange in that context i mean other weird stuff's happening before then but Mm -hmm. we're certain basically once they figure out there's time loops happening everything starts to make a little bit more sense and it becomes more about the choice on whether they're going to stay and live forever or get out Mm -hmm. yeah exactly since since there's a spoiler section they get out yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's that's the simple cliff notes of it all the bare bones of it all all right, so at first, when it seemed super time crimey in the beginning, I was like, okay, but how much is that cosmic horror? And then you get into this, and it's like, oh, no, this is completely 100% cosmic horror. <laughs> yeah. There's a giant fucking extra-dimensional entity that's just fucking with this entire area of the map. For whatever reason, yeah, it's there. It's left its print all over it. I kind of love this, because it kind of reminds me of, like... Just like weird little sci-fi one-offs where it's like, it's not some big, crazy, world-ending threat. It's this entity has chosen this little tract of land, and it's doing whatever it wants in there. Exactly. There seems to be some sort of limitations, but it's not clear what it is. But once it has a hold of you, it has a hold of you. Oh, 
Yeah, and I really like that too. That conjures up for me, like when I was younger, the idea of I like the the unknown in, in the sense of like um, <laughs> to put it simple, it was like for me back then it was like Easter Island and you know mm-hmm. the Egyptian pyramids, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it kind of fell into that. Bermuda Triangle. Right, all of that stuff, man. Like, I was in all that shit as a kid. I mean, still am to an extent, you know. I mean, theoretically, a being like this could kind of explain something like the Bermuda Triangle. Uh, yeah. Uh, yes, exactly, under this context of the film. Oh, it's just a right. narrative. Not story. saying that a creature like this exists. No, but no, like... no, but it would make more sense if that were the case. Mm-hmm. Fucking bravo. Like, that's, I'm yeah. kind of blown away by how well they did it, but also how... Ultimately, the entire story is just like the brother's emotional journey. Yeah, I mean that's what it, when you really boil it down, that's I mean that's what the story is. Is it's a cosmic horror, but the brothers get away because of the power of love in the end. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's the power. <laughs> Hell yeah! <laughs> but like, really, it's because they reconcile they get away in the end because yeah. the whole thing is kind of just tracking their journey. Because exactly, and what I like too, it's it's also about you know, for one of the brothers is, is to, to let go of like trying to control everything. Mm -hmm. Right. And the other brother just wanting to be a part of the mix. He doesn't want his brother to, to mess it up for the both of them. He's like, let me mess it up with you. He's like, I want to be able to make those choices as well. So it's also about something having control over somebody else, even family. Right. The whole, the whole thing is control. Like the creature has control. The brother has control. Yes. Their trauma from coming up in a cult has control. Absolutely. So it, it is like breaking away from that, something that has dominion over you. Because that's the thing. It's like the, I can't remember which one is which, which is the older brother. So Justin would appear to be the older one. Okay. He's like the uh, the brown haired guy and Aaron's the blonde who's. I always remember that they're Justin and Aaron, but I couldn't yeah. remember which one's which. Yeah. It's because like. You find out that, like, okay, Justin got them out of there. And it sounds like just in time. Yeah, I, I mean, there's a part of me that almost wrote a note like that. It's like, I better not. <laughs> and because he's like, no, this is like, this isn't cool. Like, they're up to something fucked up. Yeah, something's off. And, like, we need to have control of our lives. So let's go take control of our lives and get the fuck out of here. But in his need to protect his brother, he takes complete control of his brother's life. He's like, we work the same fucking job. Like, I'm going to continue to tell you what the fuck to do. Yeah. And not just that, but he fucking gaslights him about the cult. Yeah, absolutely. Like, right. it's not a good thing that they were in a cult, and 100%, they're in a death cult. Yeah. But it's also not what he was telling his brother the entire time. Right. It's, it's one of those things, too, like you were saying. It's, he is fabricating the truth in order for his brother to like you said, I mean, yes, he's gaslighting the shit out of him, but it's, it's once again, it's under the guise of like manipulation, but you're doing it in a way where you don't want to reveal the entire truth. It might be too hard to swallow in his mind. And it kind of makes sense because that's what kind of relationships were modeled to him growing up in a cult without a doubt. So yeah, I mean, it's like, he's been imprinted with these, kind of i won't say ideals but it you're right it's like he's he's learned this behavior he's seen it he was living under it so why wouldn't he practice it as well and it's one of those things it's like at a certain point it's more like you have pity 
and like remorse and empathy for true believers over like hate. Yeah. If somebody truly believes in whatever bullshit they're spouting off, then no wonder they're taking those actions. I don't think we've talked about this for a while, but I think <laughs> the last time I brought it up is when we were talking about um, Red State. Okay. And like Fred Phelps and Westboro oh, Baptist yeah. Church and all that shit. Like from all accounts before he passed, Fred Phelps was a true believer. Most of his followers weren't from most accounts, <laughs> but it sounds like from everyone who interviewed him, who talked to him over the years, fucking Fred Phelps was a true believer in all that bullshit that he would fucking spout off. Well, if he truly believes, then it's no fucking wonder he did all the bullshit that he did. Precisely. And at that point, it's harder to, like, outright hate him. I hate the fucking what he did. Right. But but it's more like, I fucking, like, what went wrong, dude? Exactly. It shows you, or at least for me it does. I mean, I can't, like, it's like one thing, I can't speak for everybody, but it for me it shows me how easily susceptible we can be to, like, either brainwashing you know, propaganda, control, things like that, when you're raised in an environment that nurtures that kind of stuff, you know? It's like, why wouldn't they be if that's what you're brought up in, that's what you're led to believe, that's all you ever known. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you're going to be like, you know, the, the expression monkey see, monkey do, that kind of shit. So it's going to be like that. Why wouldn't it be? Now, like, fuck him for continuing to make that choice no, throughout agree, his man. life. I agree, even, you know, as yeah, people like, try to tell him how much bullshit he was spouting. Right. I'm not saying it's an excuse, but I mean, it, you understand why. But yeah, once again, if you're a true believer, then at least you understand where those actions are coming from. And so once again, like fucking this entire cult, like all the cult members still seem to be, it seems to be starting to wear at them, especially by the end of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there's a few of them that, for certain, you can tell, like, they Tim. understand. Oh, well, yeah, dude. Tim's probably the one cracking the most? I would say within that group. Within the cult, yeah. yeah. Within the 10-year loop. Yes. But everyone's, it's starting to wear on all of them. Because I think that's part of what the, the smile, what's the, the leader guy's name? Is that Hal? Hal, yeah. That's, I think that's what the smile that he sort of gives at the end when the boys get out. Is because, like... His faith is starting to waver. But it hasn't wavered enough. Like, no. he's still in true believer mode enough that it makes sense that he was still trying to get them to join the entire time. Right. And, and I think one thing, too, that really spells out more so his kind of plight is the whole equation on the chalkboard. Right. Mm -hmm. He's trying to figure out something that maybe under the guise of the film, like, it's an unknowable thing. He's never going to figure it out. And he he realizes that because he's... He's making these allusions to, like, we're never going to leave. He's dropping these lines, like these one-liners. It's like, hey, I'm giving you hints. <laughs> you know, it's like it's rather, it's it's up to you and your brother whether you guys want to accept this fate. Mm -hmm. Or you can get out once again, you know. And I think that's, that's kind of neat how, <laughs> like you were saying earlier, one of the brothers recognized it, although he was, like I said, he was gaslighting his brother. But it took that brother to come back, maybe both of them to come back to realize, like, no, that was absolutely the right choice. So, yeah, it's, it's kind of neat. Well, and we, we never see the therapist, mm -mm. but we know that they're going to therapy. We know that they're going to deprogramming therapy and stuff. And, like, this whole thing, 
theoretically could be just an allegory for like a particularly breakthrough session for them. Yeah, that's a good point. They have to go in and accept that trauma and their place in it and their ability to make a choice to get out. Because part of the, the central conflict, once again, it's all about control. And the little brother never felt like he made a choice. Exactly. So this gives him the choice to make a choice. And it gives his brother the chance to respect that choice. Yeah, you can't argue with that. And once all that happens, once again, the power of love, they get out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which, I, I, like I said, even if it is an allegory or a metaphor for all of that, it, I still like the way it's told under the veil of a cosmic horror film. Yeah. Right. So now, like, we keep saying they'll get trapped, mention time loops and yeah. shit. Let's break this down. What they, what, what, what's going on here? Okay. There's this entire region, and it's under basically some sort of control by some sort of entity. Yes. What? We don't know. It's just like you said, it falls underneath that Lovecraftian concept mm -hmm. of, like, this otherworldly entity. It they seems to have some control over time. Although there are some sort of weird limits placed that have to do with time and looping. And once things are in a certain loop, it doesn't break that loop and such. Which kind of makes sense. I, I feel like that all fits within like a lot of like Lovecraftian cosmological entities. Hmm. Basically don't interact with our dimension until, you know, the universe lines up right. Yeah. So <laughs> certain time intervals going by and then things reset, that kind of makes sense, right? Yeah. There's something in one of the characters says in this film I thought was kind of neat, because it might have been Shitty Carl, where he talks about, you know, at the end of this phase where the extension happens, it's like, you know, if you're stuck on these boundaries, it's going to be your time loop. That's where it starts. Mm -hmm. So, and those rock formations, too, kind of hint you or clue you in that you're about to either enter the, in this portal or a time loop, and I don't know whether those, like, you know, they start the boundaries or if they close one or the other. They either open or close the boundaries. Mm -hmm. So, but then they, they allude to the fact, too, like there's a volcano. So it could be ancient. Who knows how long this has been going on? Well, so when, when he's wandering around, we see all the evidence of older cultures having been there and made things alluding to the entity. Mm-hmm. It does seem like, I'm not going to lie, like, I feel like this part of the terror is that this could go on forever, but I don't think it ever has. No. I think, I think the entity gets bored and eventually it lets things die and it captures a new set. I can see that. Now we know that it takes a long time for it to get bored because somebody's there in the, from the 1900s based on the phonograph. Yeah. The Tim character himself, too. Like, I, I can say this much because listening to the making of Aaron and Justin that we're talking about his character more specifically. And you've already alluded to it. Like you can tell he's the one who's a little bit more distraught in a sense, mm -hmm. more so than the others. And he was supposed to be from like, I think his character is more like the, from the late 1800s. Oh, okay. Yeah. So however his time loop starts or however he intermingles with that group, I'm not sure. He's probably been on that compound for a while. And just how it happens to be stuck in their loop. So here's the thing. It seems like if the entity likes you, you get to be in the 10-year loop. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. 
and it probably likes Tim. It seems like if you're willing to take up like a hobby that it gets to watch. Yeah. Instead like, of just like trying to off yourself or mm-hmm. do some fucky shit. So like Tim brews beer. Fucking Hal's got the equation. Anna makes clothes. Right. Everybody's um, doing something. What's the other gal's name? Lisa? Lizzie, she's an Lizzie. artist. She's right. an artist. You got one guy who's doing like magic tricks and jazz. <laughs> yeah, homie's doing magic. Everyone that has something is in the 10-year loop. Yeah, and I think more so as well is they sacrifice themselves to it in that loop. Right, so that's the other part I was going to get at was yeah. like, apparently it really fucking hurts. <laughs> it explodes you, but it's also seems to be completely shitty. Everyone who's went through it has said, like, no, I'd much rather kill myself than let that thing yeah. kill me. But the cult is all about, like, no, this is it. Like, the whole point is to be killed by this and reborn at the right. beginning of the loop again. Yeah, exactly. And I think maybe, and I was kind of curious about this, the way maybe you would perceive the, the way that they are spelling things out throughout the film. And I'm like, I'm not mad at that in this film. Because, yeah, if you're not paying attention, dude, you're going to be confused, especially in, like, a film that's almost two hours. If you're invested that much time in a film and you still don't know what the fuck's going on, probably wouldn't hurt if somebody's like, hey, this is kind of what the fuck's going on, mm-hmm. you know, to give you a better idea of, like, okay, now I can follow. So the big area is a 10-year loop. There's a bunch of smaller zones that are shorter loops. Like I said, what was Shitty Carl's three hours? Yeah, I think he did say three hours. Chris and what's his name? Matt? Chris and Mike. Mike? Yeah, Chris and They're Mike. in a three week? He One week. He didn't really specify uh, Mike because he, they were asked, you know, like how long. He's like, I was supposed to be up here for, but that could have right. been. So it is not really specified per se, but yeah, probably at the least a week, maybe a couple of weeks at the best. It seems like he has enough time to try to put different plants in motion. Yeah, right, and I agree with that. Well, here's something... I don't know if you knew this or not, if you read into this or not, now that we're talking about this. That whole time loop segment with those two characters is what resolution is. Right. And because I did watch a little bit of it, I can give you a brief idea. And this is a little bit of a spoiler, but not really, because you know, we're talking about this film. So it does start off with Mike, the one who's the friend who's trying to help his buddy Chris. He receives a video of his buddy Chris wilding the fuck out on meth and all this other shit, right? Okay. And you can tell because the guy's like, mm-hmm. he's he, he's going through it. And so his wife, Jennifer, who mm-hmm. Justin encounters on the complex. Quick she, aside about Jennifer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think she's in the 10-year loop or do you think she's in a shorter loop? And mm. that's what, why she's already starting to get pissed at it. That's a good point. And uh, why she sort of separates herself from the group prob- a bit. Probably more so because... I think it all it's all dependent on where you enter during that those phases of the extension. I think it depends on where you enter, but I also think it depends a little bit on how much you're pleasing the entity. That as well. That as well. I mean, even though it doesn't really spell it out per se, but I think, yeah, I think that probably has more to do with it as well. Like, where do you enter? How do you please it? What is your role in this, essentially? I don't know if that's like the three main conditions, but, mm-hmm. you know. But her, her character, like I said, she and, and Mike... They're married, and Mike, he's telling her, he's like, yeah, I want to help my buddy out, try to get over this. And so the lead-up to that is, like, that's what the premise is. And even, like, where he's like, hey, Mike, what the... 
Like that's what happens when you for, when you're watching the film. So they're kind of recreating that, and they even alluded to in the making of like that whole thing was like a way for them to revisit it because now they have like a larger theme and concept to play with within this film and mm-hmm. they can still play with it a little bit on the meta universe you know it's already been created with these characters so it gave them a chance to revisit so I was like okay that's kind of cool how much the rest of the film resolution plays out I'm not quite sure in relation to this film I'm not really sure but there is a video segment when uh, Hal has them watch the video that Justin retrieved from the lake that is in resolution as well Oh, because okay, yeah, yeah, they do interact with Mike, right? From Res- okay. That's literally taken from that movie, so that's a li- the little bit I know about Resolution. Did you kind of notice the foreshadowing with the bees? The two bees eat the cricket, and then I, later not- on, the first painting we see of the entity gives it like an insectoid face. I, maybe not so much in that sense. I think the first sign for me, like the obvious sign, was when they go stop to uh, pay respect to their mom, that little memorial, and the birds. The birds. Like that, and then also seeing, I mean, that's pretty obvious, that rock formation. Oh, yeah. I was like, okay, something's not right, something's off. That's pretty obvious, but what is it exactly? So here's the one thing that, like, so first off, I want to say it's not often that I'm happy when we get the happy ending, Mm -hmm. but I feel like, in this case, it's actually kind of a really neat subversion since Lovecraftian stories are usually the narrator's doomed to a life of madness yeah. if they even survive. <laughs> That's a solid point. And so I was like, oh, oh, cool. Like they gave us a twist on it. Uh, That's a twist. Like yeah. I, I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting something completely different. But there is one thing that you could build a very definite twist off of their mom's memorial is right outside of the boundary, but it looks fresh. Yeah. You know, what I was thinking under this, guys, because Hal's the one who alludes to it, right? He's like, you know, I saved you guys, your mom's crap. So I was wondering, okay, if it's right outside the boundary... Can they wander inside? They just get pulled back in if it's something that happened in their loop Perhaps the first time? Perhaps. Like, it's it's probably been imprinted somewhere inside of that that bubble, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I was wondering, I was like, well, did their mom crash, you know, trying to get out and somehow she wrecked or whatever the fuck happened? Right. And then how put them, he brought them back in because I don't know, for whatever reason, I was like, I wonder how much that has to do with it because you're right. It's right on the fringe of the, right on the boundary before you get into the camp. So, I think you might be onto something. That kind of makes sense. What if she made it out, but somehow, like, a, unlike them, where it seems like they just made it out, they made it out, or she made it out, but, like, a crash happened. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, like, she goes, like, through the windshield or something, right? Yeah, because it's it's alluded to, like, those birds, crow, whatever they were, they hit. It's kind of like... um. Mm-hmm. Was it uh, Cabin in the Woods? Right, right. In that sense, like, there are boundaries to it. In what context, if you're stuck in it already, maybe, I don't know, maybe their mom was already stuck in it, perhaps. Like, it seems, 
because we get a split second of her of their rig at the end hitting it right mm -hmm. and it seems to have some sort of physical substance that they actually rip through so what if her car crashed against it didn't go through as cleanly as theirs did apparently theirs gets through clean yeah we don't know why whatever it, once again it has <laughs> to do with our emotional journey and they passed it <laughs> yes but hers, like, it rips, like, halfway through, and her body goes sailing out, but then it, like, springs back into place because it's stronger for some reason, or... I could see that. So she's out before she dies all the way, and that's why she's not stuck in the loop, because otherwise she should be stuck in the loop, right? right? They would see her. She would be... You're right. She would be there, you would think. Either that or she died right before the first ascension. But that doesn't make sense for the timeline, I don't think. Uh, it seems, it think. seems like at least two ascensions have happened. Yeah, no, well, I get, well. So I would think probably at least one in, right. in the context of their timeline, like these guys. They all know what's coming. Like, they've right. all experienced it at least once. So, I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm not quite certain as far as the time frame, but I would think at least once. I don't know how long it is between those moon phases. It seems like it's pretty quick once it starts. Yeah, I don't... Because they were only there for a few nights. But the thing is, we know it's a 10-year loop. Mm -hmm. So... Shit, I don't know. Well, you it know, gets you know, confusing. The thing, too, is like... But they've only been out for 10 years, right? Uh, here, here's another thing I have to think about in, in the context of that. Like, time works differently within the bounds of... Oh, no, they've been out for 20 years. Yeah, they've been out for a while. Well, they're in a 10-year loop, but they've... Right. Because they mentioned that, like, Anna should look in her 40s. Right, right. So that would mean they, they've been they out still for look like they're years. in their 20s. Yeah. Right, yeah. So they've been out for at least 20 years. Yeah, because they would be, like, 29 and 25 or something like that. Right. Okay. Sorry, th this is all making more... God damn these movies that involve time. <laughs> no, I like that though because it, it does make us think in the, those contexts and those that framework. And homegirl that used to do drugs wasn't there the first time, so she's only been through one ascension so far. Yeah, I would think so. And that's why she's still kind of about it. Yeah, and like it's like she seems to have gotten clean and right because it give, it's given her enough time to do that. For obvious reasons, once we mm -hmm. start to learn this shit. Yeah, once you find out it's fucking 10-year yeah, intervals, and you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, that's a lot of time, especially depending on how long you've been in the loop. Well, it also seems to make sense why fucking... If the rest of them have been in there for more ascensions, an undefined number, we really don't know. Right? Right, right, right. You can probably make some guesses... Anna's clothing looks like 60s. Yeah. Hal looks like 50s. Well, her, it would seem like her partner, Shane, right? He alludes, he says it takes a million hours to master. So if you do some math there, like a million hours, how long would that take? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I didn't do 115 that. 115 years. <laughs> right. So it's like, uh, he's been through what it, it would allude to, like at least 11 or coming up on 11, 12. Well, I would explain why Anne is so ready to fucking jump on brother's dick. Yeah, it's like, ooh, that's new. That's fresh. I remember him when he was a boy. He ain't a boy no more. <laughs> he ain't a boy no more, and, like, I've been with this guy for the past 
who knows 200 years yeah several i am so sick of his fucking magic tricks (laughs) (laughs) yeah fell for it once because your relationships with people suddenly change too well of course once you're stuck with them for that long yeah where you literally can't get out right yeah it's like you're going to at some point you would think you would get bored or used to something right because it's what you do it's like how refined or how much more interesting can this one thing be at least when you're stuck in like one you know one mile zone or whatever we don't know how big it is but it's not that big no and and it seems like too they're it's nice right i'm not no like if i want to have an eternity of something like that like making beer growing red flower (laughs) like yeah no that's not a bad loop to be in like you said you're eating good food and you know it's it's not the worst Okay, so here's a. There has to be some amount of them being able to get out because we know that they do business with the outside world. Yeah, but I'm wondering because they like, sell the beer, or is it outsiders coming in and just leaving? That's what. Shit that's gets what I'm weird. thinking. It's like they're probably advertising for them to like. It's a. They have to come up the road a, farm. a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> you gotta come to our farm. Yeah. Okay, then I'm still going with mom shot through the fucking window. <laughs> Yeah, As like, for why she's not stuck there. Maybe and, she didn't make it quite in time, mm-hmm. but just enough to get them through. Something. Something like that. I don't know precisely, but it made me think in those terms. It's like, well, her memorial is so close to this, what seems like the entrance to a portal because of that rock formation. Well, And there's a part of me that also wonders how much the... I mean, the formations obviously mark boundaries, but I also wonder how much they have to do with just like the people's deaths in general. Yeah, I mean, that would make sense too. And that's why... Cause, markers like that, yeah. Because they're kind of path markers at times, and it's like, well, what if they weren't always markers? We know that other people used to be caught in this because there's evidence that they left. Yeah. But we don't see any, like, natives from the fucking 1600s no. caught in the loop. Was that mountain lion caught in the loop? Yeah, it was. <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's, Poor kitty. <laughs> that's a part of it. They were unfortunately there. Mm-hmm. But it just, it shows like anything within its bounds, it can manipulate with, like I said, whether it's through space time manipulation, whatever the fuck. I like that because nothing's off bounds. Nothing's mm-hmm. within, you know, like it doesn't matter what the fuck is on that compound or within its reach. It's going to get manipulated for its own pleasure, I suppose. Entertainment, maybe. The other thing I kind of like with, like, the time loops and the boundary markers and shit is it's a cosmic horror story, but it's also kind of a fairy story. Yeah. It's kind of fairy rings. And, like, crossing over into the fey realm and the way time behaves differently there. You know, in that sense, it it can share a little similarity with the field in England Mm -hmm. because it alludes to that, too, like... Once you cross into this, like, sort of entrance into a fairy land or portal, like, you're confined within its its rules. Space and time work differently within there. You know, there's a lot of hallucinogenic stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Hence the red flower as well. It allows you to see things you normally wouldn't. Like, I, I can see that. You're having to do this at the pleasure of some other entity that... Yeah, and... I mean, that's, that's, to me, the hallmarks of what cosmic horror kind of entails. 
Mm-hmm. It's like you're at the mercy, in a sense, of something that's indescribable. And so much beyond you that you don't right. really have a chance. And not only that, you... you the you, best chance you have <laughs> is to take advantage of any technicalities that you run across. Oh, absolutely. Which, once again, is kind of a, a fairy thing. And I'm okay with that. Like, if that's what the rules and bounds are, and you know that, then it's like, okay. Then you start to think in terms of, like, how do I, you know, allow myself still some kind of, like, pleasure or, or something that's not going to, you know, allow me to become completely mindless in this loop. Mm-hmm. So here's the thing. Not only do I think we get the good ending, I do kind of think that there's hope. I think so. I think there is. First off, it's still horrific. It's not as horrific to realize that it's not going to go on forever. Like we said, we don't see the evidence. We only see the physical left-behind evidence that other people were here and that it's been here for a long, long time. But we don't see them, so we know that the entity gives up at some point on people. Right. And you would also think, like, how indifferent is it really to anything's existence? Like mm-hmm. you said, it could be just like it's here during what, however long, and then it's going to eventually move on, you would think. Since they're going to give us the happy ending anyway, in my head, I've kind of made up that, like, if Hal ever makes his equation, that's how they break it. Oh, shit. Hold on. I'm wondering how much this is, like, quantum leap with that whole stuff now. (laughs) With, like, you know. Well, Hal also is kind of alluding to um, uh, 2001 Space Odyssey. That right. name, you mm-hmm. know, and these quantum physics and all this other stuff. So it's a little bit, because it's dealing with, you know, space-time and all this other stuff. It wouldn't surprise me a little bit, because, man, they dropped something in that interview. I was like, holy shit, I was not expecting that. They were talking about, and when I say they, the directors, Justin and Aaron, they were talking about how they were getting ready, you know, for the performance. They would rehearse lines with each other, you know, take car rides when they were scouting locations because mm-hmm. they used this place before for resolution. So they had all the right. you know, stuff set up. But they were talking about that whole scene, you know, with them in the, the car going mm. through the portal. He's like, I don't remember what we were listening to. He's like, maybe like some dead can dance. I'm like, you don't hear that every fucking day, <laughs> dude. So that was kind of cool. And I was like, all right. So these guys, that's like, to put it mildly, like that's some kind of like... Stuff you would definitely trip to. Not like hippy-dippy. It's more like a little bit almost like tribal in a sense. Like it's it, it's rooted in like very drums and things like that. It's just very a primal is probably a better word I'm looking for mm-hmm. for that. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, okay, I can see why they were saying that because of this film's context and shit. But um, yeah, no, it, it, this this film in terms of like you were saying with these little time wars for each individual who are on these complexes, especially if they succumb to their own demise. You know, it seems like if they ended it, they're going to get stuck in that for whatever short period of time mm-hmm. <laughs> that existed. And then you have, like you were saying, the tenure where they're in, in a way venerating is this whatever. <laughs> but the girl's uh, her paintings too is like, it's showing you maybe phases of what's going to happen. She's mm-hmm. alluding to all these things too, so I I do like that the the use of dialogue words. If you're not paying close attention, they're they're doing it cleverly in in dialogue. But if uh, I mean that's like if you are paying attention, sorry. But if you're not, then 
Shitty Carl kind of spells it out. Yeah. You know, so it does enough things where it doesn't feel boring to me. Like an indie film this long too can probably be really fucking boring. And it kept me intrigued throughout. So do you think the smiling Dave, he did the self trepanations so that he could deal with well now in hindsight, yeah, knowing that he's stuck in this time loop. It wouldn't be outside the realm of that. You like because of what she was saying, that girl Lizzie once again, she's like yeah, he did it so he can. I mean, the, people do that supposedly to stay constantly high. Right. That was a. Did you watch Dead Like Me? A few episodes. Yeah. Actually, yes. Do you remember a few. that was? That was how um, the fucking. I think that's how the the fucking uh, like good for nothing former druggie reaper accidentally uh. killed himself. I don't remember for sure, but I'm pretty sure that was it. No, there's <laughs> there's another film, actually, I own. It's a Russian film where that's one of the main topics is mm. trepanation like that, which is like, oh, okay, it's kind of cool. I'm going to look that up. I remember the actor's name is Callum Blue. Died in 1966 by drilling a hole in his head okay. to achieve a permanent high. There you go. That's interesting because, like I said, that... That would make sense for his character, why he's got this. Well, here's something that, that you might find interesting. This is a little bit of trivia, right? So that actor, David Lawson Jr., mm-hmm. he's also one of the producers on this film. And he's one of the guys that helped them kind of secure financing because it's one of the first, if not the first film, where they got outside financing, where they didn't have to like finance it themselves. Okay. Okay. But Justin and Aaron both said... The reason why he chose, or they chose for him to have that smile outside of the whole trepanation thing was, he said, he was like on some kind of hunting expedition, and he had like, he and this other dude shot a boar, a wild boar, and he like had that grin on his face, he's like this very, (laughs) he's like a fucking creepy, right? And he said, that was, they asked him, hey, do you want to try to use that? And so that's why he kind of does that in this film. Nice. Yeah, so they're playing on kind of an inside joke. Because, like, first time through, I'm leaning more towards the accident. Well, absolutely. But just given the context of, like, that is, yes, that's probably more so why he's the way he is. But it's based upon that fucking picture. Right. <laughs> it was just funny. I'll, I'll tell a story, too, like, towards the end of this about the whole premise of, like, aside from resolution, like, the idea behind the death cult and all that other stuff. They, um, I, I guess I yeah, talk yeah, about get it into it now. Okay, I'm curious. So, they said when they were um, when they were doing resolution, and I believe I'm trying to think if spring came out. I think spring came out before this, if I'm not mistaken. I, I couldn't tell you for sure. I'm almost certain it did, right? And so while they were doing like the film circuit and whatever, they would do these shorts in terms of like they said the camera that they actually were doing the, the making of on. They would use just to like. Like I said, do some skits just to kind of keep them active and, and mm-hmm. creative while they're out, you know, like I said, doing these tours or whatever. But the whole idea was is they were doing this sketch about this UFO death cult who had missed the extension, right? And they were going to all these different cities that were supposed to be portal points <laughs> and trying to talk to, like, ex-members or trying to, like... <laughs> that sounds like an amazing mockumentary. Yeah, and that's basically what they were doing. So I wrote down what the name of it was, but it's just funny. So, yeah, so the idea started as a UFO cult comedy, and uh, it was called Temple of Our Celestial Messiah Presents 
the first episode was a mission to UFO rendezvous location number one, Niagara Falls. <laughs> <laughs> right? And, uh, yeah, so that was kind of like the premise behind it. They're like, well, we've got kind of the foundation for that. Like, these dudes who escaped, you know, mm-hmm. and they're like, come back, and everybody's already extended. But the whole reason why they left in the first place because no one really liked them. <laughs> You know, so there was like these small premises, and so yeah, hence why they were going to all these different locations, hoping to send. So the other thing that makes is interesting is the creature, the entity has control within that area. There's some weird rules you can get away, but it has control. Mm-hmm. It has reach outside. Because oh, it sent it sent the tape. Yeah, right. Yeah, one hundred percent. That's the scary thing, really. Right. Once again, it follows their emotional journey. It's the fact that they haven't really gotten away from their trauma. But <laughs> yeah, so that also maybe maybe points to like, are they? Does the are boundary they, shift sometimes? Yeah, it's like are but are they are they in a loop? Maybe that's the case. Maybe they're in the twenty loop. Maybe they're yeah, in the forty like, loop. And they're just—they're thinking they escaped, but they're maybe they're just—it's—it's it's a larger loop outside of that little. Maybe it's—it's it's, now it's reaching further out. Mm-hmm. Perhaps I don't know, but that's the illusion. Maybe. Maybe. Perhaps don't we know. don't get enough. No, and they don't allude to it as much. I think it's kind of what you already said. It's more about you know uh, the power of love. You know the <laughs> brothers reconciling their differences. You know whatever. I think that's more so what this is, but coming to the realization of what their relationship yeah, is with each yeah, other and exactly. what it has been, and and like you said, the whole control thing, the whole aspect of that. But within the context of this film, I mean, if it's sending fucking tapes outside the boundaries, dude. All right, it gets <laughs> yeah. it gets that's a little bit more iffy. I was like, well, like, is it the happy ending? Exactly, exactly, and that's kind of what I like. There's ambiguity, is, is what that is, and. Yeah, you can play within that that field of ambiguity. I like that. It'd be really funny to like go back and rewatch the movie and find out that there was like one of those totems outside their original house or something. Yeah, we just that missed it. Like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. I was kind of paying attention somewhat, and I thought, I said, maybe, maybe not. But they're not totems. But I just kept writing them down. I, I, I did that too. Um, like, here's something that I found really cool. Like, I wouldn't have known this without seeing that making of. Is the production like the the there was three women more specifically who were on the like uh, production design? Mm-hmm. They helped with whatever you saw in the film in terms of you know whatever they helped with, and I was like, man, they did a really good job because <laughs> they were showing like how much attention to detail they were doing in terms of like the maps and okay. the old like footage stock and mm-hmm. all this other cool stuff. I was like, that's kind of a nice touch because. The guys, once again, Justin Ayers, like, they didn't say any of that stuff to these, you know, they like, we have the script, we have these ideas and concepts, and, like, they put all this other stuff together. Like, the whole, the dude in the tent who keeps going through this, like, this short cycle. The five seconds. Right. It, now, here's what I found cool, too, is they were talking about how Aaron's the one who did most of the special effects within, you know, post-production. And he said what they basically did was they were doing a lot of compositing. Mm. And so, you know, they already had what they wanted to use, you know, and then they would green screen certain stuff like those totem poles or that one more specifically, it was a miniature, one of the effigies of the mm-hmm. creature or whatever. 
he's like it's maybe this tall and i'm right. like it's like maybe a foot tall is what i'm <laughs> saying on justin's desk so they would get you know a green screen behind us so they could render it and then composite it onto you know to like the fire that the dude sets mike oh in that yeah. loop it's composited oh yeah but i was like that's that's that was the cool. most obvious one right and it's like it's cool because they said this is a way to avoid having to use cgi or cg and, and all that mm-hmm. other stuff you just use composite like for when aaron and anna are out after they had smoked mm-hmm. you know and and able to to see the dimensions the, yeah you know the portals whatever it's like that was kind of cool because it, it, for me too it's like yeah it 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 doesn't look great but it doesn't look bad because you understand what they're trying to convey you know otherwise it could have been it could have been real bad i mean it could have been better but it's not bad for what they had to work with is what i'm getting at how much of it is do you think the possibility is that in order for the people to leave they just have to truly decide to leave Mm. but they're all just stuck there in their own traumas well Yes, I I, th- I think that's probably the case. I want to say that because of what we see the opening. You know, there's two different quotes it opens up with. Mm-hmm. The first one being an H.P. Lovecraft quote, and I was like, well, that's probably the more like the larger. A little picture. on the nose, but right. it was. It, but it was also unapparent until later in the movie. Like, yeah, this initially just seems more like, honestly, more like. Uh, standard sci-fi something like time crimes then yeah right and that's like maybe that's like the larger context mm-hmm. and then the smaller well within the the whole entire group of people in the film and then in the the people who we're following as the viewer you know aaron and justin that second quote is more relative to them where it talks about you know friends can share their emotions with each other or their feelings with each other with relative frequency. Whereas siblings wait until it's more convenient, like on their deathbeds. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, that's, they didn't, they could have chose that route. Those, you know, these mm-hmm. brothers, but they chose not to. And that's where it broke that kind of like bond or. I think about the fact that when Aaron draws Anna's attention to like the mirroring and being like, well, can we just walk through it? Mm-hmm. She just like, huh, thinks about it for like a second and then just spaces out and like looks away from it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, is that just like people are choosing to ignore it rather than actually face it and go through? And smoking the red herb and getting drugs into your system breaks down the barrier so that you can see it more because. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a down low like pro drugs movie. <laughs> I'm okay with, that. or at least you know, to freeing up your mind in different forms to to and, question what you're uh, right. currently stuck in, like your your preconceived notions of what reality is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or and, what reality has to be. Right, 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 right. Precisely, and I and I like that because yeah, it allows you to see other things that you normally probably wouldn't. You know, like I said, it's. It's mind expanding, all that mm-hmm. other fun stuff. Yeah, no, I think that's maybe on the nose a little bit, but that's okay. I think I'm okay if they're advocating for that. Because <laughs> no one seems to be trying to leave, right? No. Like, even shitty Carl isn't really trying to leave. No. And, like, Mike and Chris, yeah. Chris are trying to figure out schemes to beat it, 
we don't see enough of their schemes. Obviously, they've been doing this for a while, but what we see doesn't include them running at the fucking wall. Mm -mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's that's just it. It's like, like in, in a sense, like with Twilight Zone or whatever other shows you want to attribute, it, it's like they are bound within, I guess, this larger shell, mm -hmm. you know, this larger dome or whatever barrier. And maybe that's what those rock formations or small totems, whatever, are. Like it, it bounds them with in the confines of their smaller complexes. And if they navigate outside of that, it's like larger boundaries. And then eventually you'll get sucked right back in, depending, I guess, on mm -hmm. your time frames and maybe these other circumstances. I don't know precisely. But it seems like, yeah, you can only get out so far. But, yeah, how would you beat it? It's like you have to overcome its grips because it, uh, essentially they allowed it, to, I guess, to, you know, and then they got stuck within the time frame. Or they could have been, and they ended it before that they allowed it to get them. Okay. Is this whole thing... I mean, Obviously, for the brothers and with the entity, it's about control. Mm -hmm. Is it control with everybody? Uh, well, maybe, maybe to an extent. Like, for instance, the drugs with those two guys, Mike and Chris, because it, it appears right, like so. The both one guy is meth. controlled by drugs. Mm -hmm. The other guy, he's doing it out of love, but he right, literally has his buddy. His buddy. He literally has his buddy chained to a fucking right. Bed. So yeah, I mean that's like master and servant, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know. So yes, and then um, Hal is the leader and is willing to even unaccept. Like he can't step down from being the leader of a death cult because he doesn't even accept that he is the leader, even though he obviously is right. one. He'll try to explain that way as long as the fucking you know, as long as he's within he, the yeah mm -hmm. within that loop. Tim has his brewing ship behind lock and key. Yeah. What about the others? I don't know because it, you know, it doesn't really delve too much. But maybe Magic because they're Homie, in that that cult, if you will. Magic Homie is automatically giving the boys side eye because Anna even interacts with them, mm -hmm. and so maybe he's controlling in relationship. Right. Yeah. There's some and she of... and their little. She has a little cut in that little mo flashback montage where you see that she's reassuring him right off the bat that it's all okay. Yeah. So, yeah, it's like you, you're either giving into control. Maybe it's like that. It's either you're allowing yourself to be controlled or you're the one controlling. Either way, like, there's a victim and there's a perpetrator involved. Mm -hmm. As long as you continue that cycle, that's probably a part of it. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's like if you can break that and have, you know, complete autonomy over yourself, that's what breaks that whole spell, you know, and allowing yourself not to be the one who's controlling others. It's like, oh, it breaks that cycle as well. In that context and how the entity works, then arguably the most tragic one is smiling dave mm -hmm. because he's taken away his ability to undo his choice right i mean he literally he's like he's always gonna be high but yeah he lost his ability to choose to have a choice to have to a make clear the, choice to, yeah. to make the to even have the ability to make the choice let's put it that way mm -hmm. yeah i think that's probably more apt for him as a character which maybe is why he's able to go 
happily run at the <laughs> entity in the yeah. middle of the dark woods and help it play tug of war yeah perhaps <laughs> and by the, the way weird that. fucking scene in hindsight right it really is the I fact like that the it, entity like, plays tug of war yeah with it's like all right yeah it's it's so i like that though because it also shows you like the mind games it's playing like there's a scene well, because it helps with the magic trick, and that's fucking I that's like kind that of diabolical, lot. right? Yeah, of course it is, and homie knows it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so there's there's that. There's the scene where the brothers, you know, they meet up and they're navigating out, but then you see it's on the projector screen. It's playing them doing that, mm-hmm. and then it shows it again. So it's like creating these loops mm-hmm. and let you know, like. I can do this. This. What I'm, this is what I'm about. Yeah, this is what I'm capable of. And then I'm going to toss that shit out, way out, for somebody else to find, so that way I can trap them, in a sense. So, it's arguable what what we ever see of the entity. I think my favorite thing is the overhead shot in the lake. Yeah, Where you just get really the shadow. Dope. I like that a lot. That I loved. Also wondering, cosmic entity hiding out underwater... With things happening at very specific intervals. Shout out to Pennywise. Yeah. Yes. It's like it can, I guess it can manifest itself in a sense with, I guess within the, the, the bounds of its, whatever. It's it ain't reach. 27 years, but no. maybe that's the loop that the brothers are in on the outside. 27 yeah. years. <laughs> they <laughs> in that dairy loop. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, if that's the case. Shout out to Stephen King. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, there's there's that. Because Justin says, he's like, man, they tried to pull me down, dude. Yeah. Fuck, just a good movie, right? Yeah, I, I, that's just it. It's like, kind of going in blind in a sense. It's like, yeah, you see this on listicles, but you don't know necessarily how much you can trust that stuff. Here's the other thing. We don't see it on enough listicles. I agree with the, that, The too. listicles we see it pop up on are specifically ones having to do with cosmic horror. Mm-hmm. This is a good enough movie that more people need to be talking about it in horror. In I think general. in general, yeah, I agree with you there. Or maybe in sci-fi in general. I, yeah, I don't think too. this is this is a cosmic horror movie through and through. I don't think it's horror enough to satisfy most horror fans. I would agree with that. I mean, yeah, because like you said, it leans more into like the sci-fi elements of. If you like this. coherence, if you like time oh, crimes, yeah, if you like yeah. primer and like, all that stuff, it fits within the realms of that kind of sci-fi horror. I think Annihilation, although, once again, this is doesn't... It's not going to have an equivalent of the bear. No, no, no. But the closest is the five-second loop, which is fucked up. It really is. <laughs> so fucked up. Like, oh, That's like a... Man. That feels like a... Like a... I have no mouth, but I'm a scream fucking... Gosh. That sort is, of shout-out. That would be horrific, man, just to be stuck in that five-second for eight... For that's, who knows how long. That's another one that this reminded me of. I have no mouth, but I must scream. Yeah. So that's Once you're trapped, you're trapped. The horror mm-hmm. element. And that... <sighs> but there are things you can change. Like, it seems like, now that it's part of his loop, Shitty Carl's probably going to always have the gun. I, well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Which he, is why he didn't mind shooting off fucking six and that's bullets. Just, it's like, you can have that, but it's not going to make a difference. Because it showed, like, when... Justin was shooting like it, mm-hmm. it allowed him to shoot a couple rounds off but then it stopped so it, it's like as long as you're within the bounds of, of my reach it doesn't have to let him yeah. I can manipulate all this stuff yeah it's like I can give you the illusion 
that you have whatever little controls like but that's not gonna make a fuck difference <laughs> you can pop no, off if i want to stop you, you i'm going to stop you. Right, exactly i can i can make those bullets stop before it even reaches your head mm -hmm. if i want yeah exactly so why not let them have this little pleasure it's not gonna make a fuck difference <laughs> except for technicalities that we don't know about right and exactly we don't know what they are so because like the boys escaped and i'm i I do believe they escaped. We make jokes about maybe they're in a larger loop. Right, but, but, I, but uh, yeah, I, I would agree. I think it's, yes, they probably escaped. And because of what we said, they allowed themselves to go back, reconcile whatever little differences they had, not only within the context of the cold, but their own relationship. But also, and make the, a fully informed choice, both of them. Yes, absolutely, exactly. They made their own, I mean... Yes, yes. They're absolutely. not being lied yeah, to by the cult. He, he learns the truth of how it all works and what's all going on. Mm -hmm. But also, he's not being lied, gaslit by his fucking brother. Right. So they for, both know the truth so they can make an informed decision. Yes, Aaron learns the, the truth. I think for Justin, it reaffirms why he left in the first place. But he also has to atone for, like you said, for gaslighting his brother and all that other mm -hmm. shit. He's still controlling his brother. And he has to let go of all that stuff. Yeah. Cool. We solved the movie. Yeah. It's like, it's not really hard in that sense. It's like, it's not really difficult, especially the second time. Like I will say the first time through, I was paying attention, but not, not really, really. Oh yeah. Yo, yo. I like, like I said, I made the mistake of like getting up and going to take a piss and yeah. coming back and being like, wait, what is going on? Why did the fucking ball just I, disappear in the yeah, air? Yeah. I think Why there are was, they playing tug of war with the dark. Yeah. There was, I think there was even like some stuff, when they were when Justin was in the the time loop, like I was kind of like zoning out a little bit. I was listening, but not really paying attention to what Shitty Carl was saying. Mm -hmm. I can tell you this: Shitty Carl is a recurring character because he's also in Spring. Well, even though you don't see him, he's oh, alluded okay. to. Like, yeah, there's a character's like he talks about Shitty Carl still keeping a job even though he's a drug addict. <laughs> you know, so I was like, okay, that's cool. And also the lizard that you see when they break oh, through. Yeah. That's also used in spring, not oh. in that same context, but right. it's kind of in a scene where it's like, hmm. oh, I wonder if that's kind of like, you know, they're calling card or like right. something like that for them. So they're using recurring characters. I almost want to go like rewatch their Moon Knight episodes and because it'd be easy yeah. to work a, a fucking lizard into a scene. In right. Egypt. So if, if you see something like that, then, you know, for sure, it's like a calling card of theirs. Like, OK, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can tell you this because I did watch spring. I really liked it, man. I think you might enjoy it. I don't want to spoil anything, man, but it's they're still playing with the co like HP Lovecraftian concepts, but with more of a, a cheerier outlook. Speaking of Lovecraft, shout out, kind of an oblique color out of space reference. Yeah. In just the way that Hal chooses to describe the entity. I totally agree with that too. Hey, precisely. He's like, man, he he's that's one hundred percent Lovecraft. I mean, even Homeboy's talking about Lovecraft perverting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, so, yeah, there's there's some shout-outs. But more specifically, how, yeah. Like I said, I think they killed it. Fucking, this oh. movie is great, especially when it comes to cosmic yeah. horror. Like, I love some of the just straight adaptations, like the Stuart Gordons and shit, but movies like this, like Annihilation... Dude, yes. Like, they're... Beyond the Black Rainbow, like, it's a different level. I, I really enjoy it's it. It's telling new versions of the story that make you think. And that's that's the fun and beauty of it. It's like, like you were saying last week and this week as well, 
is there's been foundations laid, you know, for, in this case, which H.B. Lovecraft is like going on, what, 100 plus years now, mm -hmm. close to it. So it's it's not like it hasn't already been laid and told before. It's just how, how they're reimagining it and building upon it. And to do it without like this huge funding and having to use, you know, like this, all the CG and all, you know, like to make it, I don't know, a little bit perverted, I suppose, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, but this is creative, man. This is really creative. And to do it in this guise too, it's like, man, it's, it's fun, man. I really enjoy these kind of films because yeah, it makes you think it lets you know they have a love for this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And yeah, they've done their homework and yeah, it's clever. It's like, it's, it's taken really simple concept. Like you could have chose that brother story and dropped it in any kind of, you know, genre film really. Mm -hmm. I'm, more so like dramas and stuff, but it's a drama, right? But no, it's not. It's a sci-fi horror. <laughs> uh, that's kind of the beauty of it too. It's like you're using that simple plot device of you know two brother. It, you could have used sisters. You could have used any kind of relationship, right? But then you put it under this larger veil of cosmic horror, and it's like, ah. <laughs> yeah, ah, uh, shit. Yeah, no, I really like this man. I will say this: if I were much younger. These kind of films probably would have gone right over my fucking head because I wouldn't have paid mm. as much attention as they deserve. So I probably would have wrote them off of like, oh, they're kind of boring. It's like whatever. But not this now. More specific, it's like, man, these these are ace, dude. These are really yeah, fun. I agree. You know, we're not going to announce next week because it might right. be up in the air. Right, right, right. I mean, we have the film in mind, but we don't want to definitively announce <laughs> what the plan is. So yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Let's. Let's let's refrain from throwing it out in the ethos. It's going to be along the same block. We're in our cosmic horror block. That's what you get. That's all you know. I, I think we've already alluded to it. If I, we mentioned it during our last Patreon, so if you listened, we've already talked about it. But if you didn't, then you don't. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Don't worry <laughs> about it then. Uh, but for this week, I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. Fried Squirms out. Oh. Hi everybody, Tyler here. If you like the podcast, please hit subscribe however you're listening to us right now. Also, if you could rate and review us however you're listening to us, or preferably over on Apple Podcasts, that'd be super cool as the entire world is ran on algorithms and we want to be all up in them. Uh, we highly appreciate it whenever you tell all your friends about us. If you have any suggestions, comments, questions, want us to put eyes on your current independent horror project, you can always contact us, squirmcast at gmail.com, or you can contact us through our website, www.friedsquirms.com. Uh, scroll through our entire back catalog there, or click the links up at the top as we are part of the Earverm Podcast Network, uh, and would love it if you went and checked out some of our sister shows. Uh, the easiest way to keep track of things across the entire network is to go over to that website. That's earverm.com, E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com. Uh, you can search for us across all the social medias. If you type in Fried Squirms, we should be what pops up. I'm not going to give you all those ats. So with all of that in mind, we'd love to hear from you. Until next time, peace.